Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Today, I have on the line Ryan Smith, who has been a major contributor to the Mandarin Blueprint method since it came out, I'm pretty sure. And uh, so we're really happy to have him on today to talk a little bit about uh, his experiences in the Mandarin Blueprint method. But before we get into that, Ryan, welcome. And uh, maybe you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So my name is Ryan Smith. Um, I'm a 30-ish year old uh, programmer who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. So kind of your standard stereotypical uh, Silicon Valley uh, programmer. Yeah. Um, however, I have a huge interest in languages. Um, I have both a bachelor's and a master's in linguistics and have studied like a dozen languages. Um, I'm only conversationally fluent in Spanish, but I can get by and Russian, French, German, Finnish, and can read a handful of others on top of that. Well, that's awesome. So the the linguistics side of things, that's really interesting because, um, you know, from a linguistic standpoint, I'd never specifically studied linguistics, but when I was studying Chinese in university, there was a lot of things that we were doing that were, I guess, based in linguistics. So this is sort of a, mm -hmm. a tangent of a question, but I, I'm just curious what you think about this. What things have you found when you're looking at the different languages that are kind of, I guess, common across all languages? You know, it's like in the one sense, all languages have so many differences, but on another sense, there's some similarities because otherwise we wouldn't know their languages, you know? So uh, yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that, having looked at, you know, Finnish, Russian, German, and Chinese, now Spanish, you know, what, what are your thoughts about that? Um, so like, I guess the most important thing to, that I've learned, and this is going to sound incredibly obvious um, <laughs> when I say it out loud, is all languages accomplish the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, every single language, the point is communication. And it's important to remember for me that while every language will express, con you know, a concept completely differently sometimes or incredibly similarly if they're related, um, they all can express and do express the exact same thing. Um, right. So when you get into social linguistics, you get into the point of, yes, I could say that, but I never would say that. Like, uh, you know, saying, I love you or something like that, like just, you know, like romance thing. Yeah, don't do that in Finnish. There's other That's ways right. to say, like, you know, I really appreciate you, but the culture just is not set up that way. They're very closed, uh, you know, very personalized. That's interesting. Culture, so. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, like Chinese parents don't like tend to uh, say to their kids, I love you very much, which sounds so cold when you first uh, hear about it. But then you realize they're sacrificing so much for their kids that it's like they, mm -hmm. the way they see it is they're like, well, I mean, what's saying it? Why does that matter? I do it, you know? And so uh, it's kind of yeah. like, and if you ask them, they're like, of course I love my kids, but they just, it's a cultural thing that it's like, you don't need to say it all the time. Whereas, you know, as an American, I come back here and it's like, it's like you see any parent with their kids and they're like, okay, please don't do that. I love you very much. You know, so it's, it's kind of funny, but uh, those, those cultural differences are probably one of the most interesting actual, like tangible differences between the languages in the sense that of course there's a way to say the code of that meaning that comes out mm -hmm. in Finnish, but whether or not you'd actually say it is a different issue. So yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting point. Yeah. So you've learned these different languages, or at least, you know, started on learning some different languages. Um, so what uh, inspired you to want to do, go into Chinese? 
So it's been kind of an interesting journey on that one. I first started studying Chinese four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the main reason for that one, well, there's kind of two reasons. One is I live in San Francisco area. I don't live in San Francisco itself, but it's like 30 miles north of me. And there are four huge language populations here. We have English, obviously, but we are in the U.S., but we also have Spanish, Mandarin Chinese, and Cantonese. Mm. Um, the number of speakers of each of those languages is kind of like mind-blowingly large. And you can find communities um, like one two miles from my house where there's a Chinese village, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone who lives there is Cantonese, unfortunately, because I'm learning Mandarin, but uh, Cantonese speaking. And you go to the restaurant and there's barely any English available. The menu is in Chinese, you know, things like that. Mm. Uh, so it was, I'd learned Spanish. And so it's like, I kind of want to learn one of the other languages of the community. And Mandarin has a lot more resources than Cantonese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that I was mean, the four years yeah. ago. Yeah. But it's kind of shifted, like, that was kind of a loose motivation. Um, however, my daughter is uh, one and a half years old now. And one of the things I really wanted for her when we were picking a daycare was a bilingual daycare. So she could get a lot of exposure. Nice. Um, and I was kind of imagining that was going to be a Spanish-English one. But it turns out, four blocks from our apartment was a trilingual school, which was Japanese, Mandarin, and English, which was phenomenal. So she's going to that, mostly learning Chinese, but also speaks some Japanese now. So I'm trying to speak Chinese with her at home, being able to speak Chinese with her um, teachers and her co-classmates. And so that's been kind of pushing me more lately. Yeah, Wow. What an awesome goal. <laughs> That's like, you know, because we've had, it's whatever gives you fuel, right? So it's like, because there's yeah. no avoiding, you know, what I've always said about Mandarin Blueprint is that imagine you're climbing a mountain. Uh, if you climb the mountain and don't make any wrong turns and have a very clear compass and all the right things you need to get up the mountain, you will get up the mountain faster than someone who doesn't, but it's still climbing a mountain. Like you still have to put the time mm-hmm. in. And so you still have to have some motivation. You have to feel like if I get to the top of this mountain, what am I going to do? Well, there's, there's communication with uh, my daughter, her teachers, her ability to, and like, you know, giving her the ability to uh, have more opportunities in life because she'll be able to communicate with this huge population of people. Talk about yeah. motivation. I mean, that's great. You know, it's, but nothing's more motivating, I think, than doing something for your, uh, for your children. So that's fantastic. I mean, on top of that, I've also just very recently started doing business with a uh, company that's located in Hong Kong and speaks a lot of Mandarin, so I can kind of listen in across the, the negotiation business tables. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And a lot of people who speak great. Cantonese can also speak Mandarin. Even in, uh, in Hong Kong, it's slowly, I mean, it makes sense because Hong Kong is now, yeah. you know, a part of China. It's slowly becoming that the second language is is more Mandarin and less English. I mean, you, you can tell, still totally speak English in Hong Kong, but uh, you know, it is it's just sort of a tangent side note. I, I've been to Hong Kong several times now and you'd think that speaking English is like no problem at all, but it's not exactly true. It, you'd do better if you knew Cantonese there. Uh, it's like you kind of yeah. get by in Hong Kong if you know English, but you re- would really thrive if you knew Cantonese. And pro- I mean, Mandarin is, well, they're transitioning into using more Mandarin, but at least you understand the, uh, the written language when you're there. So, okay. All right. So assuming you, you know, continue and keep finding success with Chinese, what is the, so what's your, you know, what will it mean for your life apart from, you know, obviously it'll help your daughter, but is there anything you plan to do with it? Like, you know, okay, I can speak Chinese fluently now. Uh, I plan to do what? 
Uh, so I, I guess twofold goals. I'm going to split one into like just for personal goal um, for reading fluency with characters. It's a I have a copy of the Chronicles of Narnia, the entire series in Chinese in paper form, and I want to read that book. Um, awesome. I love that book series, and it was kind of like a foundational book when I was a kid. I've read it in English, I've read it in Spanish, I've read it in Russian. I want to read it in Chinese without any assistance. Yeah, um, I mean, for those in the video, this is the Chinese version of Harry Potter, which uh, I read first, and then I read Game of Thrones, which was significantly more challenging, but I tell you, that was seriously like one of the most gratifying things to do because especially because you like the content i assume you read chronicles of yeah. already right so yeah so you'll yeah. be able to understand it at an earlier phase than what's called the extensive reading moment which um, you might be familiar yeah. with 98 percent comprehension now that's ideal if you're looking at something you have no context for so like if you just pick up a newspaper article you'd want it to be at that 98 percent understanding yeah. level but if it was something that you already know. I mean, uh, uh, Stephen Krashen, or maybe it was Steve Kaufman, um, one of those guys was talking about how when they're reading, I think it was Krashen, when, when he's reading Star Trek in Russian, he was fine with 60% comprehension because yeah. he just loves the content so much. So great personal goal there. So yeah, and you said that you had a second goal? Uh, the second goal would just be able to like freely converse with my daughter's teachers. Great, yeah. Do you have any plans to go to China? Uh, so my wife has zero interest in going to China, but I'm hoping when my uh, daughter is a little older and both of us are more fluent that she and I at least can go on a family vacation and hopefully my wife will be convinced that two of the three want to go and can get around easily. <laughs> That's so funny. Sydney said the same thing the other day in uh, the case study we did with him. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's really, you know, uh, Chengdu and Sichuan are a really lovely area to go to and so is the province just south of that Yunnan which is just beautiful it's like um, I mean it's kind of similar type of uh, topography and um, climate to northern Vietnam so it's uh, quite mm -hmm. really it's really nice there all around and I mean you know obviously you go to Beijing or Shanghai or something and they're cool but like they're kind of the most western uh, Beijing has a lot of the history so you know you can see a lot of uh, a lot of really cool history in Beijing, but like, I would say that if you want to see some real pure China and some of the friendliest people, Sichuan and Yunnan is like one of the best places to go. So, uh, but yeah, and uh, I'm sure that that will maybe show your picture, show your wife some pictures of like Western Sichuan and I think you might change your mind. <laughs> it's really nice. So, cool. All right. So that's awesome. Great goals there. So now I wanted to kind of transition into some questions that are a little bit more specific to the Mandarin Blueprint method. So one of the things that we're always really interested in is how quickly you can start to learn a character. So, you know, we, at the beginning you learn the mnemonic system and that takes some time. Mm -hmm. It's a, nobody can just learn a new method for learning and just immediately, you got it pretty quickly, but uh, <laughs> I remember being like, wow, Ryan gets it. Um, but so after you feel, so this question is kind of twofold. So the one is now, how quickly can you learn a character on average? And two, how long did it take you to get to that point? So you know, uh, how many characters did you need to learn before you're like, okay, I totally get how this works now. So I can quickly just boom, 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 go through and learn a character. Uh, so at the moment, I'd say learning a character is like two to five minutes, depending on the complexity of the character. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And so at the beginning, 
how long did it take before you felt like you understood? Like how many characters did you go through before you felt like you understood how the method works? Uh, so I, I guess there's kind of the, um, I understood the method probably by like character 15. It's incredibly makes sense like how it works. Uh, the ability to actually do it on my own probably didn't come until like five characters after you guys stopped holding us through the videos. <laughs> so like 105 or something like that is when you guys stopped giving example stories for every single character. And then it's right. also like, oh, I have to do this from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like five oh, see, more characters were like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. That, my first reaction to that was like, oh, maybe we should do some more videos. But then I thought, wait, no, no. What it was was just that you had to figure it out on your own. And that's, there's some degree yeah. of that with education. Like once you kind of take the, the training wheels off, you know, you sort of, yeah. sort of oh, okay, I got you. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, so that's... Something you guys actually might consider doing is dropping a few of the videos you already created. So, like, you know, you have full videos for the first 105 completely handled us and then completely just throw us in the deep end. Just <laughs> swim. Uh, yeah. You might, like, drop a few, just be like, okay, for the next two characters, you're going to do them on your own. And mm -hmm. then you're going to go back so you can, you know, here's more, a little more hand-holding. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. We, um, yeah, I think that we, you know, we learned out of a book originally and so it was completely on our own the whole the from the beginning so to some degree we were like all right well this is like we're getting to the point where they totally understand and then like but yeah but one of the things we are doing i'm actually in the process of writing some of this stuff is uh at the end of each level beyond level 12 giving a more comprehensive review and a little bit of a motivational video talk a bit more about that particular unit, uh, which is something we've kind of always had on the back burner since we released the released the course, but we're going to do that and yeah. uh, you know maybe pick a few characters every now and then that have a an interesting sort of aspect to them. You know, for example, uh, one of the things I was thinking of recently. So anybody who's on the course, little advice for the character um, tool or tool, which means either spit or vomit. Mm. I was thinking about this one the other yeah. day, and this one is actually because the the only difference between the two pronunciations of this character is the tone. What you could imagine is that your TU actor, who, who's your TU actor? Tony Stark. Tony Stark. All right. So Tony Stark is in your bedroom and you know, regardless of the props for a moment, the beginning of it could be that he's like spitting in the bedroom and then suddenly he realizes he's the vomit. So he runs over to the bathroom because the bedroom's third tone and the bathroom's fourth tone. And because it's in the same location, it'll be the childhood home. It would be easy to do, uh, you know, in terms of how you might imagine it. Yeah. So that wasn't, that was one I thought about. And so like things like that, if we see a character that it's like, Oh, okay, this character has something special about it. We might throw a video in there as well. It's just constantly a, a balancing act between expanding the course also, you know, online business, figuring all that stuff out because Luke and I are good at familiar making the curriculum, but it's like, oh yeah, how do we, uh, what's online marketing? I don't understand. <laughs> so yeah, there's all that too, which is a bit time consuming. So um, anyway, so great. So back on track here. So that's, that's good to know. So have you found it to be getting, you know, because one of the things I noticed about your scenes that you've sent in is they're always, I, you know, don't, I'm, take this the right way. I'm, what I'm saying is like, they almost seem perfect, right? I'm like, how did Ryan nailed this? But then you just said it takes two to five minutes for you to do a character. And I was like, Hmm, why is it that it would take two to five minutes for you, but it takes Sydney say 30 seconds. And I think maybe it's because you want to make them too perfect. Am I, am I on, am I getting anything like, am I on point there a little bit? Um, 
So I, so as I've been progressing more and more, I am finding more and more times where I say, I don't worry about getting a perfect. Mm. I know that when it shows up in Anki, it will, you know, help, uh, mm. which I've definitely seen several times. But to be honest, I'd say the two to five minutes is more trying to come up with a connection to the meaning. That is always my hardest part. Uh, once I have a meaning a concept, then actually like putting the story together, putting the props together and whatnot is, up, you know, it's a blink, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you just see the scene. That but I have found that. Point. Yeah, good. But I've definitely found like with some of my scenes, like from previous ones where I didn't focus quite as much on the meaning concept to say, okay, I have all these components. I can see them. I can see where it's at. I can see who's doing something. What did that mean? So, right. Yeah. That is so. the biggest one. That is the biggest one. And it's one that's so hard to kind of uh, help people understand is that the keyword connection. If you find it, you know, you especially if you can relate to the thing that's specific to your own experiences, then uh, the scene almost writes itself at that point, you know, especially because mm -hmm. all the props, they all have a use. So you can think about what would somebody be using a lamp for or a knife for or a, uh, a bag for it's like they have uses so they tend to just sort of fit the scene but the question yeah. is always well what do I associate with uh, spit or what a whole spits kind of easy but like you know there's some that are a bit more yeah. after the coming up with those is sometimes a bit tricky and so yeah so like that makes sense so fair enough and I think that the best thing you can do for that is kind of have questions that you ask yourself about the nature of the meaning of, of some sort whether when it's an object it's pretty easy but if it's like something abstract, like how, right? Like this, this, this character, yeah. how it's like, okay. Uh, so you have to ask questions like, all right, who might say how, in what situation would yeah. you say how, like, you know, and then when you go through that line of questioning or any of these series of questions, you can tend to help troubleshoot that way. But yeah, but first of all, I mean, two to five minutes is still way faster than rote learning. So, um, that it really, you know, and you're only going to get better at it. I got, um, you know, I did 3,000 characters this way. And towards the end, on the last day, I learned the last 100 characters in like a sitting. You know, I just sat down and was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting to 3,000. I mean, I had, a lot, I had that sort of like I can see the finish line motivation. But, you know, it. I didn't, I checked Donkey and I forgot a few of them because I went fast. But for the most part, I remember mm. the vast majority of them. It's really amazing how you can sometimes have a very tenuous scene in your mind and they'll stay sometimes and other times you're like this scene was perfect and then it doesn't stick so um you know but you'll get better at all that stuff so that's great all right so in your experience going through the so that was a specific question about the characters this question is a bit more open-ended about the mm -hmm. um the course so in it, you don't have to necessarily narrow it down to three but we generally ask to you know what are the three aspects of the course three parts of the Mandarin blooper method that you think have made the biggest impact for you, but you, you don't have to have three if you just want to say one or two or whatever, that's fine. Or seven, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely the biggest one has just been a way to learn characters. Mm -hmm. um, so coming into this course, I knew, I knew a couple hundred characters. Um, I studied Japanese at one point and learned like a thousand characters for Japanese through rote memorization. It was terrible. I've forgotten yeah. almost all of them by the time I started learning Chinese. Right. Um, and then I tried doing like 
a lot of extensive reading and rope memorization. I used Scritter for like a year to the point where my hands were hurting because I was, you know, tracing yeah. it so much on my phone. And it's just like, you dropped it for a week and you forgot it. Yeah, um, yeah. But with the memory palace stuff that you guys have uh, set up and walking up, walk me through, it's a two months later. Okay, I've forgotten their character. Think for a second. Okay, now I remember the character. There's actually a way to yeah. remember it. I can't. I still remember so many of my scenes, you know, from years ago now, and uh, it's like that's how memory works. It's one of those things. It's so it's so obvious. It's almost not obvious. You know, it's like if you remember something, like oh, I went to the the theme park with my parents when I was five, and I rode a roller coaster, and I still remember that. Well, why did you remember it? Because of the emotional impact of the situation. I've never been on a roller coaster before and it scared me too much or I loved it or something like that, right? And you remember it that mm -hmm. way. So it's like, if you know the mechanism for it, just make it up. Just be like, okay, imagine that I was in the front yard of my sister's house and uh, suddenly a, a meteor was in the sky and it was about to hit the earth. Like, what are all the emotions that you would feel about that? And it's like, you're gonna mm -hmm. remember that if you just set it up properly in your mind. And so that, and the key you're pointing out is that rote memorization gives you nothing to go back to if you forget. If you do forget in the Mandarin Blooper method, you can go back to a meteor is falling out of the sky and about to kill us all. Like that's a big difference in terms of how you're going to remember it, you know? And so it's actually, and yeah. have you found that to be um, more at least entertaining when you sit down to, to learn some new things? Yeah. It's definitely a little more enjoyable than just, practicing your character a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. I could never do that. I would, I would just, yeah. <laughs> if that was the, what was ahead of me, I would've been like, I'm gonna learn something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's what happened. It's like why I started four years ago and didn't make much progress is just because it wasn't fun and I'm doing this because it, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay, so apart from the characters, um, are there any, any other aspects that you've found to be particularly useful? Uh, so, like, the vocabulary and the grammar cards are definitely useful, but even if it was just the characters, I would have been pretty happy. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part's kind of sugar. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, sugar on top. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sugar on top. What about the, like, uh, the order of the characters? So, okay, so, like, a personal thing here. Um, I'm a computer programmer and do computational linguistics and whatnot. So I wrote a computer program a while ago when I was starting to learn Chinese, which took Chinese text and added pinyin to it. Okay. Um, so it would process it, and it would actually do it, like, you know, if you had a sentence like, mm. you know, I just have one dog, it had the jir character in there twice with different pronunciations. And it actually understands that and puts the right pinyin in for the situation. Nice. Um, so, I, like I read the entire first book of Harry Potter that way, so like I didn't actually know any characters, but you slowly start to pick some of them up um, just by frequency. Sure. Well, I modified the I modified the program recently after I started doing uh, Mandarin Blueprint. I tried reading something and just put it so if this character shows up at the level I'm at in Mandarin Blueprint, uh, so like you know that level 14 when I did this, so all the characters and words that are in the Mandarin Blueprint method up to level 14. Yeah. Don't put the penny in that. And it's amazing how much of the text it's a, I'm actually reading on my own that way. Mm -hmm. um, so the frequency order that you guys are doing and the way they build up, um, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it took it was it's like so many things you have to consider. Luke, Luke and I were, um, you know, 
I remember we were constantly going back and forth because you have to think about the character and what's under it. So the components and the, uh, mm-hmm. the pronunciations, but then you also have to consider how many words get unlocked, but are there, and also are there any, you have to add your human intuition to it too, because pure frequency lists, they don't necessarily take into account certain things that are either newer uh, developments in the language or just things that may not be, um, like for example, you have a char- you have a word that the word itself mm-hmm. is quite frequent, but the two characters in it aren't that frequent because it's like that's the only word they're used in, and it's like so. Yeah. Do you do you say well character frequency wise this isn't that high frequency, but the word is high frequency. So there's a lot of considerations, and you know I'm sure that yeah. um, if we spent even more time on it, it would get a few percent better. But like that's uh, to, at some point you have to go, okay, well, it's, it's close enough that by the time you finish the first, you know, five phases, you've got that mm-hmm. 80% by frequency. So, you know, maybe there's a few things like I've looked at a couple things in it and, and I go, mm, if I could do this again, I probably would put this here and not there, but it's like the difference of like, okay, this is character 200. Maybe I would have put it at character yeah. 130 or something like that. You know, it's not, it's not a huge deal, but uh, that's so good. I honestly, think, I honestly think you guys might be overthinking this a little bit. Yeah, um, just, I'm sure we have. <laughs> or like, you know, at level 15, you can read 30%, and then at level 20, you could read 35 or 40% or whatever. Yeah. Like, you just yeah. like, lock it out like that and just say, okay, order within that. Yeah, it's pretty flexible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we you know, it's always, um, you know, just a matter of we want to make sure that people keep going because we know th- there's a thing with learning Mandarin or really almost anything, but it really feels very strongly like this with Mandarin because some uh, learning endeavors, they have a very quick initial stage. So like there's sort of a, mm-hmm. like Japanese, because the pronunciation is not so hard, people can sometimes get some basic Japanese really quickly. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you'd say, oh, well, this is great. And they get motivated and they keep going and then they hit the really hard parts because the grammar is quite confusing and it's, uh, you know, the way that they mix the three different types of they have the hitagana and the katakana and the kanji and the way they mix them and then the kanji has three different pronunciations and it gets confusing right but it doesn't necessarily seem all that confusing at the beginning chinese is kind of the opposite you have to do all this legwork at the beginning right and so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like your progress is going all that quickly but once you reach that critical mass the progress you have is really fast and we always want people to get to that because if you get to that you'll start to have that um you know success breeding success and, and motivation mm-hmm. So, you know, when we're, whenever we're thinking about things like now, you know, 30%, we're always just thinking like whatever it takes to keep you going. Cause eventually you'll reach the point where nothing will stop you. Like you'll just be like, Oh, I'm going to go. Sydney said that in the last case study. He's like, Oh, I'm going to definitely going to go to the end now. And it's like, good. You got to that point, you know? And it doesn't mean you're fluent at that point. It just means you're, you're ready. You're like the motivation is now self-sustaining. Yeah. So um, I mean, I'm already seeing at this point, like if I see a new Chinese character and something I'm trying to read, I'm at, just like, okay, I've never seen this one. Okay, break it down. Okay, there's my megaphone on the left. There's a, you know, the human snake tongue on the right or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually just coming instinctual to start trying to break down the characters and the components. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what you want. And eventually, you know, you when you're reading all the time. And so, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be continuing to get lots more uh, comprehensible input coming out uh, as we... Uh, continue to expand so yeah okay cool so basically yeah we got the characters the character order and uh from your perspective it's like the the vocabulary and the grammar is kind of sugar on top which is you know hey if that's how you feel that that's great because 
there's a part of me that always wants to be like, look, just learn the characters first because there's yeah. some kind of, I mean, it's obviously everybody's different. Yeah. So I never want to be like, do that. But no. you just did the 600 characters. Like, and you just went, and then you went back through and did the vocabulary and grammar as like, and you just sort of compartmentalized them in your brain. That would be perfectly fine. Like, it's, it's not that um, that's the wrong way to go about it. That's how I would kind of go about it. Cause I'm, I, I'm that type oh. of thinker. I like to. I hadn't thought like, about doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, well, sure. I mean, you can. Like, absolutely. We don't. Uh, I might. Uh, yeah. sure, but. <laughs> so, I, one of those things where, like, uh, when I, I, I know this is a question you're going to ask, and then I'm going to talk about it now. Yeah, um, sure. When I first saw the Mandarin Blueprint method, um, I just kind of got lucky. It's that uh, I was giving up, I had given up learning through Scritter uh, just by, nothing in Scritter, it's just a rote memorization thing. It's like, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. um, I've been trying for years and it's not working. Okay, I've heard about these mnemonic memory palaces things, and I know uh, when I was studying Japanese, uh, remembering the kanji uh, was a you know something that a lot of people talked about. Uh, Katsumoto talked about it in all Japanese all the time, several times, things like that. Um, and I looked at it at one point, but never really taken it seriously. But like I know they have a Chinese version. They're remembering the Hanza, though. I, I will say about this one, by the way, if you look at both books. The remembering the Hansa is like weird word order, doesn't talk about pronunciation. The remembering the kanji, which was the original one, does. So it's much better for the Japanese book than it is for the Chinese book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever. The pronunciation system, like you said, in Japanese for the kanji is completely different because you might have like seven different pronunciations for the same character. Mm -hmm. um, you get into a slightly different scenario. But yeah, so it's like a I was like, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to go by remembering the Hansa. I'm going to work through it. And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, the reviews aren't necessarily great compared to remembering the kanji, which I had issues with. Let's look to see what else is out there. Uh, you guys had released your course, I think, two days before oh, wow. I had the search. So it was like really lucky for me. Yeah. Uh, so I like, Chinese would say that's very xiao. The word for that is xiao. Zhen xiao. It's like coincidental. Great. Zhen xiao. <laughs> You know, sometimes things just work out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So, so it's yeah. after we released it. So uh, did you like do a search for it or uh, how did you, did you just? I think I literally did a Google search for Chinese mnemonic me character methods or something yes. like that. And, search uh, engine optimization worked for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> the first time. I, I mean, exactly oh. what it delivered. <laughs> Well, I mean, I remember I made a few blog posts. I was like, maybe somebody out there is searching for Chinese mnemonics. I guess I'll make that the keyword. <laughs> that stuff yeah, like, just made my brain explode the first time I, I learned about it. I was like, oh, no. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, I, I do know. that part, part of my job is working with that stuff. And you have to do it, but I just like, I always feel like my soul slightly uh, slips <laughs> away each time. But yeah, hey, it worked for that one. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, when I saw that and I'm looking, I'm like, you know, this sounds more fun and maybe uh, more, what's the word I'm looking for? More systematic, more well thought out for all the different parts of learning a character, you know, the meaning, the pronunciation, and how to write it. So I was like, I'll give it a try. Um, I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah, great, great. That's fantastic. So now, did you so like th thus far where are you in the character order right now um i think i'm at like character 200 and something great 
Great. Awesome. So thus far, so you've already said that it helped you recognize, uh, you know, enough, you were, you're sort of looking at the, the Harry Potter book and seeing how many, if you, you know, get the, uh, I know the types of software you're talking about where it's like, it shows you the stuff you've already learned uh, and they yeah. don't have an opinion for those. So you're saying that's already been an, a factor. Have you been able to communicate with your, um, your daughter's teachers any better? Um, that definitely has gotten better, but I don't know if that's due to the, blueprint course or just through exposure yeah, sure. um, and looking things up like you know my daughter came home the other day and she's saying something along the lines of shisha 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 and my wife and I can't figure out what it is oh, and finally right. like I'm trying to figure out actually what you know what's going on and look up what it is to watch to wash hands in Chinese shisha yeah, and yeah. it's like that's what she was saying she's asking to wash her hands uh, oh, so yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so things like you know it's like yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you know, so trying to learn Chinese through a toddler's pronunciation has been weird, but I've learned a lot more through that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, I feel like if you have a toddler who's figuring it out, that should remind you that it's okay to speak kind of not perfectly in the beginning because, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just how it is. It's like you just, when I was two years in, I passed the HSK six after being two years in, but my pronunciation still probably sounded like a toddler in a lot of ways. Cause I was still <laughs> in a, in some way. Well, first of all, as, as part of our story, I didn't focus enough on pronunciation in the beginning. So I had built up some bad habits, but a lot of times yeah. kids do too. That's an, like, they they'll say things terribly. You'll be like, what? That's a, that's a word. What are you, what are you talking about? But you know, they, they just have to like, but the best part about them is that they're not self-conscious. They're just like, Oh, whatever. I said yeah. it in a long tone. Who cares? You know, like, which makes it like nice speaking with the teachers a little bit is one, they're used to listening to toddlers speak. And two, they're just amazed that a white guy is speaking Chinese to them at all. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't feel very self-conscious talking to them because it's like, you know, the expectations are very low right now. Yeah, yeah, best advantage. I, I just uh, was, I'm in Florida right now because uh, my sister just got married and I'm visiting her for a bit. And I went to a, uh, a, a sushi restaurant that happened to have a Chinese uh, waitress. So um, I, I, you know, my sister was like, you should talk to her in Chinese. I was like, we're in a sushi restaurant. I'm pretty sure you know, she's Japanese, but she was like, no, no, she's Chinese. So and I was chatting with her for a bit and uh, it's like, they have no expectation that anybody's going to try to learn their language because it's not just that they know that ling English is the lingua franca. It's that they are like they and Japanese people believe this too about Japanese is that they're like, well, this is a really hard language. We don't expect you to learn it cause it's really hard. So, you know, and yeah. so when you do, they're like, Oh great. Thanks. It's almost like they're grateful that you, I remember this, this one, one, um, you know, uh, girlfriend that I had a few years back, she saw me when I was really studying, she was like, she like looked at me and she said, Oh, it's so like moving that you're putting so much time into this, you know? And I was like, Oh, cool. I'm glad you feel that way. And so it's really, if they're grateful and impressed, it means that you're less, you're like, Oh, I'll, I'll say something. Whereas in, in, yeah. in America, I feel like if you are learning English, it must be harder because people are a little bit less forgiving if you don't speak English well. So, you know, they just expect it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun, like, you know, studying a lot of languages to see the different reactions people have to it. Yeah. Uh, so it's like when I speak Spanish in the Bay Area here, it's a, it's either a, they just completely, like, it's just, okay, this is normal, somebody speaking Spanish with me, or it's a, no, why are you speaking Spanish to me? I'm just going to speak English. But it's just one of those two reactions. Right. Uh, versus, yeah. like, Chinese, they're just amazed that you are attempting to speak Chinese and are very, very happy about it. 
Yeah, yeah. There are levels to it, though, that you'll get to see, which as you continue to improve, which is, um, you know, you can tell the difference between somebody who's just like, oh, good, you're trying versus somebody who's like, oh, whoa, you can really speak. And you can just tell the difference. Like for what what the girl the other day said at the um, sushi place, she was, you know, she turned to my sister and she was like, he's speaking it perfectly. You know, and she was like, she's like, that's that's cool. And I was like, yeah. Feel proud, <laughs> you know. So, always, <laughs> it, 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 there's the levels to it, so that's always good. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's see here. So, a question is very important to us because we offer a product that is weird. It's not like we're saying we're basically saying throw out everything you think about what language learning is supposed to be and completely reframe how this process is going to go. So. I've never met anybody who wasn't skeptical at the beginning. Now you of course had a uh, precondition of understanding about mnemonics a bit, and you were even familiar with Heisig. And of course, Heisig is kind of the foundation of the Mandarin Bluebird method. So maybe you weren't mm -hmm. too skeptical, but if you had skepticism, like where was it? And what did you think, you know, when in the beginning and then eventually did it go away? Yeah. Uh, so my like skepticism on it, like it sounds, looking at it conceptually is you've checked all the boxes on what I know I need to learn to study or to learn a character, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and that characters form words. So if you understand the morpheme of the character and you throw the morphemes together, you know, you create words and that kind of makes sense. Um, which is something I was lacking. That's why I really wanted to learn the characters was to get the morphemes to understand the compound words, things like that. But uh, you checked all the boxes. But the part that I was skeptical on is I've looked at mnemonics before. I have never successfully used them. Mm. Um, like all my language study is just a, it's never really, I've tried it once or twice, it never stuck, I never completely understood it. It always seemed like one of those things where you're learning something more complex than what you're trying to learn in order to learn it. Yeah. Um, but since, and that's, I know I've gotten pretty far with learning vocabulary via, you know, extensive reading and things like that, so that it was never completely necessary. Uh, but with characters, it's like, you know, I tried for years and nothing was working. Like, okay, I'm just going to try anything at this point. And this <laughs> thing checks all the boxes, so we'll give it a shot. Right, right. Um, I struggled a lot the first, like, 10 characters, by the way. Uh, maybe the first 15 characters, which is when I started to, you know, actually be able to get it and do it. Uh, uh -huh. Just because I never had really done much with mental visualization. So even, like... Um, you know, my wife is not one of my characters in the method, but like even just trying to mentally visualize her at that point, it's like, well, I have a feeling for what she looks like, but I couldn't actually right. describe it or draw it or mentally draw it. Um, right. This guy goes to the point, like, I'm not great with visual memory to begin with. My wife was making fun of me at one point because I didn't remember that my boss had glasses. It's like, I don't know if he wears glasses or not. I see him every day, uh, <laughs> but I was like, yeah. So that was the, developing that skill was the part that was a huge problem to me. I was like, am I going to get over this? Is this actually going to be possible for me to do? Or am I just one of those people who's broken in that regard? Oh, yeah, turns yeah. Out I'm not. Turns out it's good. And turns out it's actually just made it so, I, I mean, I can visualize things a lot easier than I ever could before. And yeah, uh, mnemonics work, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, that was something that, I also was super skeptical of at the beginning of, you know, because I learned about mnemonics in like fourth grade or something, you know, my teacher explained like what it was and it just, yeah. because it was taught in such a shallow way at the time, it was just sort of some basic stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it is effective, but I was kind of like, eh, this is a weird word. And, uh, you know, what with mnemonic, that sounds weird. So I can't even spell it. And, uh, you know, like it was just sort of this, 
I just sort of thought it was this weird thing that our teachers taught us. And I didn't kind of, I actually don't really like the word because I think it turns people off. I want to just be like, just your imagination, just imagine your bet. You'll remember things you imagine more, more easily. But I got to say, I really appreciate you saying how much of a struggle it was for you and that your, your natural visual memory isn't very good because like, look, that's the type of person. If you can do it, then it's like the person who's, you know, maybe a little bit better at visual memory, they'll, you know, they'll yeah. be certain they could do it. But then somebody who's also like, I don't know, my visual memory's not good. Well, like, listen to Ryan. <laughs> you, you were able to pull it off. Because I think everybody can do it because it's deeper than, like, even personality. Like, dogs can visualize. You know, it's like, I, I imagine. It sort of, sure yeah. seems like that when they're sleeping and they're like, <laughs> it looks like they're in a, in a dream. So it's like, clearly, if animals can visualize, then this is deeper than, you know, even personality. Like, some people will say, like, oh, I just don't know if this type of learning works for my personality. And I'm like, kind of like, well, I mean, there is a condition called aphantasia that some very small percentage yeah. of people have where they can't visualize. Rare. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. So basically, if you're not of that genetic condition, you should be able to visualize things. And if you can visualize things, then you just have to systemize it. It's like, it's so, I remember the one of the things that blew my mind was how well my brain remembers something if I just go, okay, the two props in the scene are an apple and a dog, right? And I forgot the apple, and then I, so I go back in the scene. It's like, just make the apple glowing. And like my brain, like, I don't know whether it's that my brain is smart that it can do this or it's dumb that it just so mm -hmm. easily goes, oh, now I remember it forever because it's shiny. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's amazing yeah. how simple this stuff is. Um, so, yeah, that's great to hear that you you considered yourself to be a person who is not good with visual memory and you're still able to kind of get over that that hump. That was me with languages in general. I was like, I'm bad at languages. I can't learn languages, you know, um, so. I'm yeah. terrible at learning languages. I just enjoy it. <laughs> anyways. Yeah, yeah, uh, awesome. All right, so uh, you already mentioned that you thought, okay, a recommendation for the course might be to, uh, instead of just having all the videos in the first 105, maybe occasionally take some out and then maybe add a few more later. Uh, we're already working on yeah. the second part of that. But um, do you have any other recommendations for how we can improve the course? Um, you know, sort of uh, criticisms or areas that we can improve? Uh, so a lot of mine are going to be overly technical because I am a programmer and I'm looking at it from that perspective. That's fine. We'd be happy to uh, <laughs> Uh, so like a couple things is sometimes the formatting can be a little wonky in the text of the messages mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in the video courses and it really looks like you guys aren't using a systemized fashion of saying like you know you can do an HTML class or you know tag that says this is the header of an example sentence and then just apply CSS so that always looks consistent even if you change it in the future. Been driving us uh, crazy. Yeah, it's a. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I want to show you, maybe I'll show you when we're off the air, the type of, uh, um, like the, the backend text editor, cause it drives mm -hmm. us nuts. It doesn't do it, There's just so many issues with it and it drives, it drives us crazy. Cause like Luke's more on the design side of things, but so many, so many yeah. times I'll be like, why is it showing up like this? I don't know. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about coding, but yeah, anyway, go on, go on. So yeah, the formatting, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, and obviously, you know that the method of donkey stuff right now is kind of a mess. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of card, which, by the way, a suggestion of that. So you know how Anki allows you to do plugins, and uh, while yeah. writing your own SRS program would be probably outside of the financial or time worthiness things on your end, 
But you could consider having somebody write a pro, like a plugin, which you just plug in, okay, I'm at level 15, and it unsuspends all the cards from level 15 based off the text for the users. Oh, yeah? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, because you guys have the tags in there that say what level it at, so that would be a pretty easy thing to write. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that could be something as a, as a short-term fix. Like, we, we really, you know, part of me wants to just, you know, find a way, maybe we can find a, a you know, someone who's willing to invest a little money so that we can get the SRS component off of Anki. And it's like, I, I love Anki, actually. You know, mm -hmm. I love, I, I have like a I great, mean, I've, been, of, yeah. I've learned I've so much. Over a decade before your course. Yeah. So it's like, I'm very familiar with Anki. I've contributed to the uh, Anki Android, the Anki Droid project before. Yeah. Um, as a programmer, I've helped with like the Chinese extension plugin before. It's like, I'm, incredibly familiar with Anki, and this works for me. I don't mind it, but I'm also familiar with the fact that that is messy. Yeah, well, it's, it's um, too many things. Like, for Mandarin Blueprint, we don't need 90% of the functionality, so it's like yeah. it, it gets, you know, they, they've, all the functionality they packed in there, so much of it is irrelevant to what we're doing, and so it's like it just confuses people, and of course, it's not exactly a good-looking application, which for people who are non-tech savvy, that can be a big turnoff right away. You know, it's like you look at something like Memrise and it's fundamentally the same thing. It's just an SRS, but like Memrise is pretty and it's like, it's a Duolingo similar. It's like, oh, this is fun to, yeah. to do. And I mean, we tried to make our cards look nice, but like it's still, at the end of the day, it's not that, um, you know, yeah. uh, functional in application. So yeah, that, that's uh, of course, yeah, we definitely know that's one of those things, you know, we have the wireframes for the Mandarin Blueprint app like created. Um, it's just that, because the system is actually, you know, it's quite complex and what we want it to be able to do is, is complex. The uh, it's, it's too expensive for us to make at the moment. So, you know, well, we'll just keep us uh, hopefully getting more subscribers and then eventually we'll be able to uh, afford it. But yeah, so uh, that will solve that one. Any other, uh, any other recommendations? So we got, we have, uh, you know, if we can move yeah. to something other than Anki doing uh, better formatting and of course the, the video recommendation, anything else? Um, That I can think of. Great, great. I really enjoyed the course. Um, awesome. Yeah, well, that's great feedback. I mean, we, we, that's stuff that we definitely want to work on. So final question for you, just would you recommend the Mandarin Blueprint method to people? I already have. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. Well, that's awesome. Thank you uh, so much for all the contributions. Seriously, you and, um, you and Chad and uh, Sydney and a few others and there, occasionally we get somebody who comes into the course and I just know right away, I'm like, oh, this person's, you know, really engaged. Uh, we just had somebody recently who is, you can always tell because they start leaving comments a lot yeah. and we're like, okay, great. Yeah, this is awesome. So uh, everybody out there, be like, be like Ryan. And uh, I, that's what I'll do. We made a, a coupon code, be like Chad before. I'll make a new one, be like <laughs> Ryan, uh, that will give you 30% uh, off your subscription to the Mandarin Blueprint method. And um, Ryan, would you be willing to uh, check in with us in maybe a couple months from now and we can check your, your progress and see how you're doing? Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. I would cool. be happy to do that. Awesome. And also a comment before we uh, sign off here, just uh, me giving advice to the other people listening to this. Um, so I, early on in the course, started writing out some of my scenes for you guys. So like, I like, you know, I still do that on occasion depending on how fun I think the scene is or how uh, clever it was. But um, to begin with, it wasn't that. It was a 
it wasn't even that necessarily that I wanted the feedback from you guys. It's writing it out on occasion, not for everyone, but writing out a few of them really helped formulate my thoughts. Sure. Um, and really helped to, because, you know, as I said, like, I don't have the great visual. I have a much better visual memory now, by the way, that has greatly improved that cognitive aspect. But at the beginning, it was terrible. So forcing myself to actually like write it out like a story helped my ability to see it. Um, so I mean, I would highly recommend that even if people don't want to post it and don't do it on every, every character, like you have said many times, but occasionally, especially at the beginning, write it out, you know, label exactly these are the parts, these are why these are here. And then look at, did I include anything else in that thing that need to be there? No, not really. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's a very good thing to do in the early days. And I would definitely recommend, you know, uh, doing that from, cause I mean, writing helps you organize your thoughts always, you know, regard, really regardless of what kind of writing yeah. it is. But, but just remember that like, sometimes people think that this is a requirement. It is like, it's the opposite of a requirement. It is a helpful tool, but you definitely, you know, if you had to do that for 3000 characters, oh my gosh, like that would take forever. And so, especially because characters, you, they come to you in less time it would take to type them out. So it's like, you know, which is definitely the case now. So, yeah, yeah. but in the beginning, yeah, totally. It's a very good technique, just as long as you're well, well aware that you can drop the habit later or just only do it when you're, you know, and I mean, still you could, if you have it as a kind of tool, then you can use it yeah. when you're like, I'm struggling with this scene. So let me try to write it out. Uh, absolutely. And um, cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, as I say, I will make a new coupon called uh, be like Ryan. And uh, that will be, you can use, apply that to 30% off uh, the Mandarin blueprint method. And um, as always, we have all this stuff on our website. If you, we've got eBooks, we've got our blog, we've got our podcast and uh, we're coming out with new stuff all the time. So, Check that out at mandarinblueprint.com. And Ryan, thank you again for all of your feedback and uh, help. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll sign off there. Thanks again, Ryan. All right. Thank you.